This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 659 with Jessica Sinarski. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 659. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Jessica Sinarski is a highly sought after therapist, speaker, and change maker. Extensive postgraduate training and 15 plus years as a clinician and educator led her to create the resource and training platform Brave Brains. She makes brain science practical, helping parents and professionals become healers for hurting children. She's the author of the award winning Riley the Brave series and her new book, Hello Anger, and more. This is Jessica's third time on the show, because anytime she has a new book, I say, please come back. (laughs) She has such amazing content that is so supportive of our children, of our children's brain health, of ourselves as parents, as we learn how to navigate our children's brains. Jessica's ability to help kids and parents understand brain science in order to support emotional management is incredible. I walk away from every conversation with her feeling like I have a ton of new tools to support myself and my child. So I'm so delighted, so honored to have her back. And hey, Jessica, when you write the next book, you got to come back a fourth time. So listen in to hear Jessica share what anger is and why it's so crucial to talk about it right now. The importance of recognizing anger as a protection mechanism, why we need to recognize that anger is not bad, the vicious cycle of anger and shame, how mom overwhelm triggers our anger, 
the importance of really accessing our anger and working through it versus avoiding it and stuffing it, which ultimately forces it to show up in really dysfunctional ways, how to explicitly ask for help with your anger or shame, and why it is important for her to write a book that honors anger rather than shutting it down. Oh, this was a good conversation. We dug in, we dug deep. Jessica shared some of her own personal stories. And I know that you're going to have some really great takeaways as it relates to anger that maybe you're not talking a lot about publicly, but many of us are experiencing quietly behind closed doors and feeling really stuck in sometimes and feeling that vicious cycle of anger and shame that we don't quite know how to break free from. So with all that said, please join me in welcoming Jessica Sinarski back to the Shameless Mom Academy. Jessica, welcome back to the Shameless Mom Academy, and you are now inducted into the Three Timers Club, so I'm so excited to have you here. Yay, thank you. When you reached out to say, like, I have another book coming out, first of all, I was like, okay, she's a book powerhouse, but also it was like an easy and automatic yes. Like, of course, if you have a book coming out, you have to come back on the show because this will be your third time coming on the show to talk about a book, and every time everyone goes and buys the books. Everyone loves the books. You've come to my son's school to talk about your books. Like everyone needs to know about them. So I can't wait to dig into this. Yay. Well, I appreciate that. I want you to tell us a little bit more about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're most excited about right now, the book, not the book, like whatever is coming up today. <laughs> well, I'm definitely excited about the book, but I know we'll talk about that a little bit. So I will say professionally, I have a couple of like plenary sessions and keynotes coming up that I'm really excited about just sharing the brainy goodness with more and more people that, that fills me up in personal life. We just moved actually, we moved like 12 miles down the road and, but it's into a new state. (laughs) So now I'm from Pennsylvania instead of Delaware. (laughs) I hope you sent me the updated bio. (laughs) (laughs) I did. I had to fix it on my, on the oh back gosh. cover of my books. It was like, oh, can we actually change that? Cause oh I don't gosh. live in Delaware anymore. That's wild. What prompted the move? Do you want to share? Sure. So we were going to do some renovations on our house. It has been a great house to raise our boys in. My boys are now eight, 11 and 13. And we've been there for like 10 years. So it needed some updates. There were holes in like every wall. Cause my boys have a lot of energy and the estimate came back just astronomically expensive Mm. and it got us thinking. And so we found a place that, I mean, it's right up against a Creek in the backyard. It feels like we're on vacation when we're in our backyard, which is just pretty magical, but it's bike riding distance into town. So the kids can like ride their bikes to their first jobs or, you know, go to the Walgreens to get candy most likely, but it's it's fine. I've made my peace with that part. (laughs) That's like a rite of passage when you can ride your bike. We had Bartell Drugs, which people from the Pacific Northwest yes. will know, but it was like going to Bartell Drugs. Yes. And you'd walk there and I would walk in my jelly shoes and take, totally. like, you know, $3 and $3 would get you a big grab of Doritos and a pack of M&Ms and maybe a diet, a Coke or diet Coke or whatever. And like, yeah, heaven, heaven, absolutely. Like, best day of your life. <laughs> right. Seven 11 to get a Slurpee. Yes. I was in, I remember riding my bike to the grocery store when I was living in um, like Phoenix area down to the bashes to get bubblegum ice cream, <laughs> oh. <laughs> ice cream with bubblegum in it. And I loved it. And now it sounds terrible. <laughs> so gross. So gross. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, how fun, how fun. Like that just sounds so fun and idyllic and it's pretty great. Yeah. Very, very cool. 
All right. So we're going to dig into the book. We're just going right in. So my first <laughs> question is what is anger? We're just going to go right into yes. the, the meat of it all. And this is, I have to say before we go in that anger has been coming up over and over and over in different universes that I'm in different circles that I'm mm-hmm. in. So I love that we are talking about this. And this is actually something that I've been trying to have like more tools to talk to my child about recently. So tell us what anger is. I'm so, here <laughs> so I have found the same thing where I feel like, uh, this it's always helpful to talk about anger, but it feels particularly timely right now when, you know, when you go to the airport, there's like signs, like do not attack the TSA agent. And you're like, why does there need to be a sign for that? Like, shouldn't we know that you don't right. like attack humans? Like that's right. not okay. No, we're, <laughs> we're struggling with that concept. Great. So anger And being able to like face our anger in a healthy way seems more important now than ever because anger is a powerful protective emotion and it's often linked with really primal reactions. So it's this big nervous system, this big brain body response to threat in a way Mm. or perceived threat. So our bodies, our amygdala lights up and says, danger, danger, danger. Our brainstem goes into like fight flight mode. I'm ready to handle this big problem that's happening. The challenge is that it's often not the thing that you're angry at, or even like think that you're angry about. That's sort of the tricky part of anger is that it protects you from Mm. stuff underneath. And we'll talk more about what that means, but I think it's also important when we're thinking about what anger is to recognize that it is not bad. Anger is not a problem to be solved. It might be uncomfortable, but it's not, I didn't want to put something out in the world that said, you know, here are three steps to not be angry because that's not realistic. Really. We're going to feel anger. The important Mm -hmm. thing is being able to say, to say hello to our anger and whatever's underneath it. I love that. And I feel like this like immediate, like little sense of relief of like, oh, anger's not bad. Because I think that when we feel, and I hear moms talk about this a lot, when moms experience anger or rage, that then we think like, well, I must be a really bad person or same, same thing with my child. When my child feels really, really intense emotions. And then after the fact is apologetic for it, because it was like, well, that I was bad in that moment. I was, I'm sorry. I was angry. That was bad. And there's like a whole lot of reframing that needs to happen around that. That's so important that gets us out of that space. Because if we go from anger to then shame around our anger, like the spiral, it will never end. Yes, that's exactly right. It piles up more, right? Like we get this, we, whatever we were angry about, whether it was feeling hurt or left out or, you know, some injustice or whatever it is we have all those feelings still, we have the angry feeling and now we have shame on top of it. And, you know, we're just sort of getting buried. Absolutely. Absolutely. So can you talk about why are we so uncomfortable with anger? Like, why have we built this whole culture around like this cycle of we've experienced anger, which is a natural, like you said, this protection mechanism that actually can serve us. I'm guessing you're going to share. And then, so why are we so uncomfortable? Like with that, that we go from the anger to the shame? 
So I think that's a great question. In part, I do think there are some cultural differences in this where some cultures are more uncomfortable with anger than others, and certainly more uncomfortable with other people's anger, as Black women in particular have experienced in pretty painful ways in the U.S., that being angry about an injustice is not wrong, right? Like, that's not a bad thing. On the whole, though, I think that discomfort in with our own anger or with other people's anger comes back to what anger is activating in our bodies and brains. So if you are furrowing your brow and grumpy at me, or you snap at me, my brain, my brain's natural response is to go into defense mode and be angry back or sort of shut down, right? Like I'm either going into fight flight or my natural response is to sort of turtle and collapse in Mm -hmm. on myself. And so whatever has sparked your furrowed brow or your angry expression, whether that's being hungry or sort of tired of being sick with COVID, as long as you've been sick with COVID. Raising my hand right now to that one. (laughs) Right. Or feeling trapped with your kids because, you know, you're in a situation that's less than ideal or, you know, any number of other things, having too much on your plate and sort of hitting overload, all of these things that can spark our anger, our body is responding to it the same as it would if there were an actual, like, you know, saber tooth tiger about to attack us. Our body doesn't distinguish, um, oh, your internet went out and your computer's not working and you're supposed to be leading a training from, you know, somebody's breaking into your house. Like our bodies often have that same reaction of fear and or anger to very, very, very different things. And so when that happens, it's activating these very primal parts of us that get protective. So anger is almost always on top of either big fear or big sadness. So anger is often protecting us from fear of failure, fear that your kid's not going to do the right thing, fear that you're, I don't know, whatever it is, or like grief that's really hard to address, or maybe some sort of unresolved, you know, childhood wounds, identity stuff, right? When somebody says something that feels incongruent with your identity, often the response is anger. Mm. And when we can slow down a minute and take a look at what that big reaction is that you're having, where you're feeling it in your body, you know, where your thoughts go, can you sort of chase the feeling down? We start to be able to make sense of all of the uncomfortable things that anger is coming in to try to shut down. That's super helpful. This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and are specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our 
start new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily. It's very digestible. And the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. And one of the things that just came up to me for me as I was, and I'm sure many listeners were like trying to think of like, where is my anger? Like, what are the moments mm-hmm. where the anger starts for me? So one of the things I'm thinking is around overwhelm. Like when I yeah, feel really overwhelmed huge. and then like someone puts, so my plate feels super full and then mm-hmm. someone puts like the tiniest little thing. Mm-hmm. And I should clarify when someone in my household puts one more thing. So if it's like my <laughs> child or my partner, because mm-hmm. from other people, if Jessica, if you were to like email me and be like, can I put one more thing on your plate? I'd be like, absolutely no problem. Mm-hmm. So all mm-hmm. these external people, I'm like, I got you. I'm good. But then like, someone in my household mm-hmm. puts like one tiny thing on and I'm like, right. how dare you? Do you even right. know how hard yes. I'm working? So I'm wondering like, what's that connection with overwhelm and how does that tie in? That's a great example. It's like, you know, can you slice this apple? And I'm like, what? No, I can't <laughs> slice your own apple. And you're like, <laughs> Whoa, that got yeah, really big. Yeah, that <laughs> might have actually happened to my house. <laughs> so I think that's a great example and fits on a number of levels. So one is that nervous system phenomenon that your body is sort of running at max capacity mm, when yeah. you're on overwhelm, that your fight flight system is sort of already engaged. You're mm-hmm. actively trying to meet the demands in front of you. And then on top of that, comes this feeling powerless or unseen or unappreciated Mm -hmm. or unheard by somebody who's supposed to know better, like your partner or your kid. And those feelings, when we're sort of at capacity, it's really hard to look at that and say, Ooh, I'm feeling really overwhelmed. So actually slicing your apple right now, like 
I'm going to have to give it five minutes until I have a break to do X, Y, and Z, or Mm -hmm. you can do that yourself or find a different snack. But that requires a little bit of what we've talked about before with that upstairs, downstairs brain. Your upstairs brain is that prefrontal cortex that lets you think things through and slow down and respond. But anger is coming from that downstairs brain and overwhelm is sort of activating the downstairs brain as a like, get me through. This is dangerous. I might fall. I might fail. Right. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. And we're not breathing well and we're not (laughs) maybe sleeping well. And all of those things add up to have a nervous system that doesn't have the energy to use that upstairs brain. And it usually comes out against often, I, I should say, comes out against the people we feel the safest with. Mm, so just like you said, distinction, not right? toward my internet friends, <laughs> right? Right. You're not like writing a scathing email to me about right. how inconsiderate I am or whatever, <laughs> but it's your partner. It's your best friend. It's your kids. And so mm. I think from a mom perspective, from a parenting perspective, again, it's really helpful to take a look at our anger and what's underneath. And so often there's that fear of fear of failure or feeling unseen, unheard, unappreciated in the midst of this Herculean job that we're doing as a parent. I'm also thinking about the accumulation of showing up as people pleasers, as overgivers, as overdoers, as overachievers, as perfectionists, and Mm -hmm. how that like adds up over time. So then when we do have that triggering event, that's often a small thing, but it becomes the thing that overrides every where our downstairs brain overrides the upstairs brain. It can be a response to like, don't you see how hard I'm trying? Mm-hmm. I'm doing everything for everyone else. Like mm-hmm. you're telling me I'm not good at something. And mm-hmm. like, do you not see all the things I'm good at all the time that I do all the time? So it's like, that's, it can be a deeply triggering event over something that seems really small. Like, and that's where yes. I think we go into that shame where we're like, oh my God, I'm so embarrassed. Cause it's just an apple. A hundred percent. Oh my goodness. Can you share a little bit about your journey with anger? Sure. So I talk a good game, but the reality is (laughs) I do not like conflict. I have been, you know, a peacemaker in my family. That was a, a role I took on for a variety of reasons. And I sort of took pride in it. I think I rarely lose my cool and am really good at sort of keeping my anger under control, whatever that is. And so my journey with anger took a little bit of a turn when I had, I had this really intense therapy session a little while back because yes, therapists go to therapy. Yes. Um, Amen. <laughs> just Amen. saying it out loud. <laughs> no shame. So I had this session where I got really angry and I was all proud of myself because usually I'll get angry at myself. So I tend mm. to internalize things And I felt like I was angry at like the real injustice of what was happening. And my therapist was not as like impressed as I was with myself. (laughs) You didn't get a gold star. I did not get a gold star. Didn't she know that's what I needed? This happens to me sometimes in therapy where I'm like, do you not see the gold? Where is my certificate? Hello. So what she said, so she was sort of pushing me, like I can still hear her voice, like, and then what would happen? Cause I was chasing my fear basically of how catastrophic it would be if I made this choice, whatever it was. And she was making me dig past the anger and I got mad at her about it. <laughs> it's like, now I'm mad at you. Like what is happening? <laughs> and she explained that 
she used that protector language about anger, that anger is a protector and it's trying to keep some tender part of me safe. So me squashing my anger and being, you know, really good at having self-control mm-hmm. or just heaping it onto myself and being mad at myself for every little flaw or error or whatever, that wasn't letting me deal with, with either the anger or the fear and pain that it was trying to protect. Like I wasn't actually dealing with any of it when I sort of stuffed it down or turned it on myself. Right. So what has changed now and how you approach anger? (laughs) Nothing. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So (laughs) for a long time, I've been working on helping people accept their anger and the anger of others, especially related to trauma. Like that's been a big part of my work. It's a theme that comes up in the Riley, the brave books. And certainly in my work in foster care and adoption, there's lots to be angry about. And I've been fine with that. Mm. The big shift for me has been personal Mm. where I'm not patting myself on the back for controlling my anger because I'm recognizing that it always comes out somewhere. So I've been sort of doing the work to dig underneath and it's really exhausting. Yeah, <laughs> It's worth it. It's really worth it, but yeah. it is so tiring. Like it's so tiring. I would love to share an example because it parallels yours, I think really well. And I think might be relatable to intentionally dig into your anger, especially mm-hmm. so if you go into a therapy appointment and it's like the middle of a Wednesday afternoon, the mm-hmm. sun is out and you show up and you're like, I'm good. <laughs> yes. I'm just here to like, I want to just give you like, tell you a few things about how my week is fine. I'm good. It's all good. But then you get to the last few minutes of the therapy session and something is said and you're like, okay, well, I kind of need to dig into that, but there's only 10 minutes left. So you're like, I don't have to dig that deep. Like it's fine. (laughs) And then you're in like the last three minutes and you're like, okay, now I feel like I actually do want to dig into this a bit. So what's happened with me is I've been in this last 10 minutes of a therapy session a lot Mm -hmm. where I've like really done a good job. The first 50 minutes of being like, I'm fine. Everything's great. Let me tell you all the good things. Mm -hmm. And then I get to this place at the end and I'm so annoyed. because I don't want to go there. And I, we just start to scratch the surface. So finally my therapist was like, I really think, and it always circles back to this, an issue with a person in my uh, family member in my life. And so who's not in my life, but we have a long history. So Mm -hmm. she's like, I think what you really need to do, or I think what could be really helpful. And she's like, I'm here for whenever you're ready for this. She's like, I think you should write a letter to this person and then read it to me. And then you can say all the things you need to say, and you can be as angry as you want to be and blah, blah, blah. And my whole thing is I'm like, but I'm not angry. I'm good. Like Mm -hmm. I am not angry. And when she told me that she wanted me to read it out loud to her, I was just like, no, that just sounds really hard and awful. (laughs) (laughs) So I have not written the letter. So it's just like hanging out Uh there that like someday I need to write this letter and then read it to her. And she's telling me that this will be a great use of my time. And every week since she said it, I've been like, I have a lot of great things going on in my life. Let me tell you about this. (laughs) 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 So I appreciate you saying that like the value of digging into this anger and being able to talk it through, be in it and not just keep stuffing it down and letting it come out in other ways is so, so significant. And whether it's talking about this for ourselves or for our children and modeling this for our children, so they don't get mm-hmm. to a place where they have to write the letter and read it to is <laughs> <laughs> really, really important. Yeah. I appreciate that story on a number of levels. One as a therapist and having many, many clients who do exactly what you are saying, which is <laughs> the last you know, 10 minutes. talk about all the things until the last 10 minutes and then it comes out. I think that's a very normal human experience because it's scary. It's scary to show your tender underbelly. 
right? And like that. And you're like, I don't want to ruin a day that's going just fine. Yes. And then the, then you're like, no, the day is going to be ruined. <laughs> right. This was a great Wednesday until I had to talk about that. <laughs> yes. I feel like therapy needs to also come with a nap. Like I need to find a time I can schedule my therapy session and then make sure I have like three hours afterwards <laughs> to take a nap yes. because it's really tiring. Like doing yeah. all this work is hard. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, sure. So can you give an example of what anger having, now you've done the work, you're ahead of me. I haven't gotten the gold star yet. Um, I've written like a letter. Anger, I'm in anger kindergarten. So can you give an example of what this looks like for you now? So when you, sure. like what has shifted for you in terms of when things start to feel, you have a triggering event or things start to, you go into that place of either overwhelm or heightened protection. So for me, it involved a type of therapy called internal family systems work, which is sort of about looking inside at the parts of yourself that keep you going, that we have this sort of heart self, and then we have protectors that sort of come on online to guard what feels like vulnerable parts and especially vulnerable things from childhood typically. And so I sort of started digging in and I felt a little bit like it was giving me multiple personalities for a minute where, you know, I'm thinking about my critical part and my helper part and my, like all of these different parts of me, what was really affirming for me and really resonated with the kind of work that I do. I'm not trained in internal family systems, but it really resonated with how I talk about trauma and relationships and all these things, emotions as honoring what your brain and body has done to survive. So I felt very safe to approach, you know, where I had numbed myself out or where I had, I don't know, gotten angry or been a helper or been a peacemaker that was sort of coming from a a sense of self-protection as opposed to coming from like my heart, like coming from my Mm. truest self, if that makes sense. One of the harder parts of myself to befriend, to sort of like check in with was the harshly critical voice inside. So for me, and I, I know a lot of you listening will be able to relate to this. There's just this voice of like, you're not good enough. What, how dare you think you can do that? Like, oh, you're going to give a presentation at that place. <laughs> don't you know how much better that person is than you are? Oh, don't you see how much better she's doing at this, that, or the other? Don't you see how that kid's, you know, clothes actually match and your child is going <laughs> to school in dirty mismatched, you know, athletic gear. Like, yes, yes. I see that. Thank you. Harshly critical <laughs> part of my brain. So I think for me getting to know that voice And sort of, I mean, (laughs) bear with me guys, if you're listening to this and like, oh my gosh, she's really crazy. You know, it's fine. I can handle it (laughs) Um, (laughs) because it really involved saying like with my therapist's help, what do you need? Like, what do you want me to know? Harshly critical part. When did you show up first in my life? What are you maybe, maybe as we get a little safer, what are you protecting me from? Like, how are you trying to keep me safe? Even though I don't like the way that you're keeping me safe, you think you're keeping me safe somehow. And so what is that? Like, and every time I would sort of befriend one of these troublesome, you know, parts of me, I would see how it was useful at a certain time. Yeah, I would see how it served a purpose. So for me, that played out in that harshly critical part of me would shut down need 
don't need anyone. Don't ask her what you need. Don't have emotional needs. Be strong, do more, be enough, show up, Mm -hmm. love more, serve more, like prove yourself and sort of coming to terms with if I don't heal my inner child, if I don't safely, gently, compassionately approach that little wounded part of me, it will never be enough. I can never do or love or serve or give enough. Mm -hmm. And so what has shifted for me is when I hear that harshly critical voice come out, I can notice it for what it is and sort of name it like, oh, hey, (laughs) and know that my 41-year-old self can handle it. So I can sort of genuinely say like, thank you. You have worked really hard to keep me safe, but I got this. Yes, I have a book launch coming, but I really don't need your help telling me how big of a flop it's going to be and how (laughs) I'm an imposter and like, I'm good. I got it. Like, I don't really need your help on this one. And that has been really powerful. Oh my goodness. There's so many pieces of that that resonate. So one of the things that, did I connect you with Jen Lumenlon? No. Mm-mm. Okay. Do you, are you familiar with Jen Lumenlon? I am. Yep. Okay. Yep. So she talks about unmet needs in childhood being like a, either a capital or a lowercase T a trauma. So yeah, capital or for lowercase sure. T trauma. And what was interesting to me in reading through some of her stuff and going through her taming your triggers course mm-hmm. recently was recognizing, first of all, she really normalized that like a lot of kids, most kids, like it's normal to go through childhood and have unmet needs. And so it's not mm-hmm. like your parents did anything horrible to you, although that might've been the case, but it's just like your parents were dealing with their own lives. And so you likely had some unmet needs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just kind of the normal human experience. Yeah. But in recognizing that I was able to connect some dots around like where I need recognition and what happens if Mm. I don't get it, how I feel Mm. if I don't get it, why it's important to me, why it is like, why I've built a career on like making people look at me (laughs) or not look at me, but like, listen to me and like notice me. And yeah, do you see that I'm good doing good things? And like, it's been really, really eye opening to think about some of that stuff. And so as I've connected it back to childhood, I'm like, oh, I can see why this is important or I can see why this is upsetting to me. So when I have hard times in business and when you, when you were talking about imposter syndrome or like, Hey, you have a book coming out and you're like, of course it's going to flop. I, if things are going well, I'm good. But if I'm having a struggle around something and I see other people having massive success on the internet, then I'm like, that means I suck. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I'm like, what, wait, what? But it's because of like, I maybe haven't gotten enough recognition recently. And this sounds like so egotistical. So like, I get everyone, it. Everyone gets yep. to live in my brain for a minute, yep. but it's me recognizing, like, I haven't gotten the recognition that I need in a while because things have just been tricky or hard in my business or wherever in my life. Yep. And that's how I felt when I was eight years old. And yep. for many years after that, like not really being seen by one of my primary caregivers and, and like not even being conscious that I needed that person's approval, but I needed that person's approval. And I needed that person's like attention without that person being told like, Hey, go look at what Sarah's doing. Yep. <laughs> like, I needed that person to seek me out and give me attention. And, and that didn't happen. And so making those connections becomes so powerful, not fun to put any of that together, no. by the way, not fun, no. <laughs> but it becomes really significant when then you feel anger coming up or emotion coming up in a certain time or situation to be like, oh, this is because I feel insignificant right now. This is because someone's right. not recognizing me or seeing me or acknowledging me. And even in my marriage, I'm like, there's been things that have come up where I've had to say like, 
I think I just need you to see me right now. Like, I think I'm just really angry because I feel like you don't see me. And so we can have different opinions on this, but can you just like see me for a second? And then we can like talk about the differing of opinions. I just, cause that's something that hasn't happened in the past where I've felt unseen and that's really triggering. I think that's really insightful and a very Mm -hmm. common, a very relatable experience. And for, you know, you listening right now, maybe it's not being seen or recognized, but it's some other unmet need. It's not about parent blame. Not, you know, I think our parent, I think everyone does the best they know how to do. And so we're all trying to do a little bit better, right? If you're listening to this, you're trying to do a little bit better and know yourself a little bit better and help your kids know themselves a little bit better. And it's so easy for us to flip into even shame about our needs. So like you said, yeah. you know, you get to live in my brain for a minute and it feels embarrassing to oh, want my recognition, right? But that's an, again, a normal human experience that yeah. when we're working hard, when we're showing up, when we're dynamic and talented and that you want somebody to see that and know that not because you just need your ego stroked, but because it is a piece mm-hmm. of acknowledging you and who you are, not the I only also, piece. Right. Feel like you're the martyr in your family. You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model. So that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt-free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Well, hey there, busy mama. Are you looking for ways to make your life easier, your home less chaotic, and at the same time, add more joy to your life? My name is Deanna Yates, and I'm the host of Wanna Be Clutter Free, a podcast all about letting go of the stuff we don't need in our lives so that we can focus on what truly matters. Don't worry, I'm not going to tell you to throw it all away or make you feel guilty about keeping something you love, no matter how many other people don't quite understand it but I will give you practical and more importantly, actionable advice so that you can make progress right away. And you won't just hear it from me. There are amazing guests too. It's like having your bestie in your pocket, telling you it's okay to let go of the things that are not serving you and your family in a totally non-judgmental way. So join me over on the podcast where we can work on progress over perfection for those of us that want to be clutter-free. I also will say that I did go to my therapist and say in one of our sessions. And I think I said this from like, right when we got on zoom, we made on zoom. So right when we started, I was like, I think I've determined that I need more validation than the average person. And she started laughing and she's like, Sarah, because I was like, am I just like a narcissist? Uh-huh. <laughs> like I built a whole uh-huh. career on like needing to be seen. And she was like, no, everybody needs a lot of validation. And I was like, I think I need more. She's like, no, I promise you like in your mind. And this is coming from your not enoughness probably. Yeah. Like but yeah. in your, in your mind, you need more than the average person. Everybody needs a lot. Yeah. <laughs> Which was eye-opening. Cause I was like, no, like, I feel like I need like an 11 or 12 on a scale of one to 10. <laughs> and most people need like a six. <laughs> so yes. That's yes. great. 
So we've touched on anger and shame. And I want to go back to that connection because it seems like our anger can make us feel really shameful and then it's harder to address and it's harder to ask for help. And so can you, let's talk about the asking for help piece, because it's one thing to say, ask for help. It's really different to show up in that conversation and say to a partner, a therapist, I mean, anyone, like I've just explained, it takes me 15 <laughs> minutes of a session to acknowledge that this might be a, an issue. So how do we actually go into those conversations to tell let people know? And what do the conversations look like um, when we're letting people know that we need help with our anger or shame? I think, so for me, people probably have lots of different advice. So I will just share like a bit that has been helpful in tough conversations that I've had. I think it helps. So first you have to know if the person is, you know, maybe, or probably safe enough to have this kind of conversation with. So you're going to be kind of choosy about. And that's a, thank you for saying that. Cause that's a really important distinction is that when we are going to have these kinds of conversations, not everyone is a safe person. And so sometimes we make suggestions on a podcast to be like, just tell some, you know, tell that person. make sure they're safe first. Yeah. Yeah. And they might be safe in like 27 other ways, but they're not safe for this conversation. That's okay. You don't have to like get rid of your friendship just because you can't have this particular conversation. So if it is somebody that, you know, you think can hear you, then I find it helpful. A couple things that tend to help. One is to give them a heads up, (laughs) like tell them what you need up front to say, Hey, I want to talk about something, but it's really hard for me to talk about. And it would help me if you don't try to fix it right away. Mm. If you just hear what I'm saying, or, um, you know, I really just need you to be close to me and let me process this, you know, or whatever it is. Like if you can preempt it, your partner, your friend, your therapist, whoever has a better shot at meeting your need in that moment. Another thing I find helpful is sometimes that conversation is good, you know, face-to-face, eye-to-eye. Sometimes it's better out for a walk, um, you know, looking ahead as opposed to looking at each other. I think of that, especially in partner conversations and in kid conversations. Mm -hmm. I know I had a fair number of the, like, let's sit down and talk about this kind of conversations as a kid. And those were terrifying, even if I think well-intentioned and, you know, yeah, the best we know how to do in some settings, but those were terrifying. And so I often advise parents, you know, if there's tough stuff going on, don't sit the kids down and talk to them, have a conversation when you're on a drive or out for a walk or playing, shooting hoops or making dinner together or playing cards, like something where there's a little bit of a distraction. You have to know your kid, maybe that's too much of a distraction for them, but something where it regulates your nervous system a little bit. It helps it not be so scary and threatening that uh, mom or dad or whomever is having this big, scary conversation with me. And the other thing I think is if you talk to somebody and you don't get a good response, a response that's helpful to you, that your brain will probably naturally turn that into like, there's something wrong with me or I must be crazy. Right. Or I didn't it, do a good job. Or I didn't do a good job. <laughs> or I am a failure. Like, I messed right? that up. I did right? the conversation I, wrong. I can't even ask for help right. Like, <laughs> yeah. Right. Try again. <laughs> I think the more that we learn to hold things a little bit more loosely, the more peace we have in life, the more we're, we cannot control everything that we try to control. And so, you know, maybe that person was having a bad day or maybe that push that conversation, pushed one of their buttons and that's okay. And 
it's okay that you're hurt by it. And it doesn't mean that they're a terrible person or that you don't deserve help. So I guess my encouragement there is, is try again, if it, if it doesn't go well. And if you hear those voices in your head saying, you're so dumb, like, why did you even do that? That like, thank you. Thank you for trying to protect me, but I'm going to go ahead and try again. Cause I'm a grown ass woman. And, (laughs) um, and then assuming like, if you've identified that this is a safe person, then let's also assume that like, they are going to want to participate in something that's helpful to us. So if you go to revisit it, then instead of listening to that voice in your head, assuming the best of the other person is going to hopefully position you well for that conversation. Yeah. hundred percent. So there are a lot of children's books about anger. Why write this book? So I am really picky with kids books, especially books in the sort of social, emotional learning or like therapeutic space. So I wanted to write a book that honored anger and made it safe to work through it. So I'm really thankful that my publisher, National Center for Youth Issues, was on board. I think there's certainly a place for the like, here are five ways to feel less angry kind of books. But there are a lot of those out there. And it was important to me to get that protective part of anger out into children's literature to help kids notice the stuff underneath. So using this backpack metaphor, um, which this is the second book in, in your Magic Backpack series, where we talk about the things, the heavy stuff that weighs us down, the things that we carry around, that metaphor was super helpful for talking about anger and the stuff that was underneath. I love the idea of honoring anger. I think that puts a really different, I think that contextualizes it in a really different and really important way that I hope can become a cultural shift where we do honor our anger versus to your point, five tools to stop being angry or Mm -hmm. like shutting Mm -hmm. it down and Mm -hmm. really invalidating it. I think Mm -hmm. that's really, really important. We spent a lot of time, most of this conversation talking about anger in adults and our own anger between you. (laughs) So many tangible examples. Um, Tell us is the book, the book is for kids, but with all of your books, one, and this is, was so impactful when you came and spoke to families at our school, your books are written in a way that while they are written for kids, the takeaways for adults are, (laughs) so it's really like, when you look at it, you're like, oh, this is probably like a, you know, kindergarten to fourth grade book. And then you're like, oh, clearly any middle schooler needs this. And then also like, or a 46 year old Uh (laughs) talk Uh about who the book is for. Okay. So I do get that a lot with my books. Like, okay, this was for my kid, but I definitely learned things for myself. Yes. (laughs) Um, So this series is geared for upper elementary. So sort of eight years old and up. Um, but again, you're going to have middle schoolers that really relate to it or high schoolers that really relate to it. So the world is sort of your oyster in how you use it. And it's part of what I love about picture books is while they are accessible to younger audiences, they also can pull older kids or adults into a world that we might not access just by thinking about things. Story is pretty magical that way. Yes. Yes. Jessica, tell us how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Ooh, you're going to like this one. So I realized that I have sort of hidden behind my work. So like 
it's Riley the Brave that's doing things, or it's my company, Brave Brains, you know, like sort of being behind Brave Brains. And what I've realized is I just need to be Jessica Sonarski. So, Amen. <laughs> <laughs> so I am working toward embracing it complete with, I need to get a website and do a photo shoot and all the things that make me so uncomfortable, but we're going to do them anyway. (laughs) Oh my gosh. I love that answer so much. I wholeheartedly agree. I'm so here for all of that. You have done such significant work. So I'm going to ask you to self-promote in just a minute, Okay. I'm going to pitch you a little bit more. So what I want people to, when Jessica shares her resources in just a minute, of course, I want you to go buy the books. Of course, I want you to go buy the new book, but I also want people to think about does, are you in a community that needs Jessica to come speak for you? So like I, I mean, she's been on the podcast three times, obviously you're a great speaker, (laughs) great educator, but you did come and speak to our school. So Vinny is in a K-8 school and you came and talked about mental health and we related it to some stuff happening in the pandemic. And it was so impactful for families and for teachers and administrators who were on that call. Um, It was just such a fantastic conversation. We did that, I think in October, and now it is May and people are still talking about it. So on top of all of Jessica's books and everything, I also want, for those of you listening, if you're in a position where you might need a speaker in a community that you're in, I just wholeheartedly recommend Jessica. So with that, where can people find you, connect with you, get the books, hire you to speak, all the things. Thank you. So you can find me on social media at Jessica Sinarski on Instagram. That's probably the best place to go. I am on Twitter at Jessica Sinarski as well, but I'm not as active there or on Facebook at Riley the Brave. As far as websites, things are going to be under construction again, but you can find my shop currently at www.rileythebrave.org. That's where you'll find Hello Anger, the new book, as well as other books and teddy bears and, you know, therapeutic feelings cards and all kinds of things to help people have tough conversations and keep the brain in mind. And then the organization I founded is called Brave Brains. So you can go to bravebrains.com. There's a section for schools, for community professionals. There's a section on there about booking an event. And my small but mighty team will be happy to get back to you if there's if you have any questions about any of that. You can email info at bravebrains.com and we will we'll get back to you. Okay. Love it. I'm going to also, I'm making like extra notes here in my <laughs> links section. Okay. Info at, you said info at, brain, at brave brains. Info at bravebrains.com. Got it. All right. So we will link everything up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on or find the most recent episode with Jessica Sonarski. We will have hello anger in the title. So people will know which one, (laughs) which episode it is since we've had, we've done a few now together, which I love. All right, Jessica, thank you for being here. This is such important work. What I love about this conversation in particular is that we made this about how to support our kids and what happens with children with anger. But we also really dug into what this looks like as adults. So we can look at how can we work through this as adults in order to also really support our kids with anger and accessing anger in appropriate safe ways and really like not demonizing it. And you will find at the end of the book. So it's a, you know, it's a picture book about anger, but at the end, there are some tips for adults. So there's even a little bit more as far as like how you can approach anger with your child or in yourself, as far as, you know, teaching some of these healthy emotional traits to your kiddos. 
Love it. Thank you. Thank you for adding that on there. So everyone go get the book, go get your copy mm-hmm. of hello anger, maybe buy it for a handful of people as well. Pass it around liberally. <laughs> um, Jessica, thank you for your work. And I'll say it again. When you write the next book, you got to come back. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us, 